Hi, Sacred Tension fans. My name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called Eleventy-Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums, from the writers to the producers, and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like where did your band name come from and who's your favorite Friends character. We're asking questions like why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions. And we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So check it out right here on Rock Candy and your favorite podcast app. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions, and my name is Stephen Long. Before we get started, I have just a couple of pieces of housekeeping. First, my colleague Matt Langston and I are working on building our podcast network, Rock Candy Podcasts, and we're looking for artists with a high standard of quality who want to have interesting conversations and tell interesting and fun stories. And if this interests you, you can email me by going to my website, stephenbradfordlong.com. We're looking for podcasts about faith and doubt and religion and comedy and horror and movies and all manner of subjects. And in return for joining the network, you will get free consultation, professional consultation from the studio. You will get our entire uh, music bed library and all kinds of help and promotion from the network. So if you have a podcast or you are thinking of starting one, I would love to hear from you. Second, this show is only possible with the support of my patrons. And I already work full time. I work more than full-time, and this show takes about 10 hours a week to write, schedule, record, produce, edit, so on and so forth. And so this show is really only sustainable with your help. And if you find yourself looking forward to the show every Monday, if you find yourself really, really enjoying it every week, and if you want to help me continue to bring interesting conversations to the world, then you can do that in a tangible way by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. You will get a separate patrons only podcast called the House of Heretics in which Justin and I have early morning coffee fueled conversations about uh, everything from God to gay sex to cults to Satanism. Um, It is very not safe for the public and that's what you're paying the money for. (laughs) All right. Well, there are other ways to support this show if you are unable to give financially. You can give this show five stars on iTunes. You can leave a nice little review. And above all, you can share it with your friends and continue to listen to it and enjoy it because it is here for your enjoyment. All right. Well, today I am talking to the absolutely fascinating and fabulous Chelsea Weber Smith. She is the producer and host of the podcast American Hysteria on Skylark Media. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for asking me, Stephen. I'm I'm really excited. And everything you just said, I was just on board for every moment of it. <laughs> it sounds very exciting. I'm you so you glad. named everything I love. Yes. I'm so glad. Everything from from religion to gay sex to all of all the things. All of the above, yes. I'm so glad. 
I'm so glad. Yeah, so you host the absolutely wonderful and fascinating show, American Hysteria. And basically what you do is you cover the the history of moral panics in the United States. And, you know, you're in, you. I feel like we're kind of in a very similar niche where it's like we're into weird, esoteric, niche, kind of creepy, kind of skeptical stuff. You know, Absolutely. Yes. That you know, and we're we're fascinated by weirdness, and uh, we want to figure out why and how these weird things work. So, before we move any further, could you just tell us some about some more about the show and what what is a moral panic? A lot of people might be going into this not really knowing even what a moral panic is. Sure. And I mean, the thing about a moral panic is like anything else, It nobody even really knows what it is. It, it's just this <laughs> thing that we're all kind of trying to figure out. But there are lots of sociologists mm. and psychologists have written about moral panics. But yeah, a moral panic, from my perspective and with my in my understanding, is basically when we freak out about something that isn't true. Mm. And but that that freaking out needs to have a sort of agenda almost. So whether or not the people are conscious of that agenda, that's very key to moral panics is it doesn't necessarily happen on a conscious level. It's not it's not people manipulating propaganda all the time. Sometimes it is. So a good example is Stranger Danger, which we cover in the first episode. And I yes. think that's kind of a quintessential moral panic in that in the late 70s and into the 80s, uh, several boys were kidnapped uh, by, you know, what we know now is murderous pedophiles, right? Mm. This sort of archetype we have now of the worst person in society. And so before that, we didn't think about sex crimes against children very much. And as soon as those things happened in the media, the 24-hour news cycle got a hold of that, which was brand new at that time. It created this gigantic panic over the welfare of mostly, of course, white middle class kids, especially boys. And so what that sort of distracts from, and this is key with moral panics, is a moral panic distracts from a true issue that the culture does not want to face. And it doesn't want to face that issue either because it's too difficult. And in the case of Stranger Danger, it's the fact that most sexual crimes against children happen in the house, you know, among family members or very yes. close community members, not a random stranger. In fact, that only happens maybe 100 times a year, whereas the other crimes happen thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, and many of them also go unreported. And so mm. we have this very convenient thing happen where we get distracted and we are distracted by a bright, shiny problem and a bright, shiny problem being more interesting and also less difficult to handle because why? It isn't really real. What would be really difficult is confronting people in our family that we have questions about, confronting community members that have power, things like that. Those are more difficult things to do. And so a moral panic is this convenient thing that distracts and often will help uphold power structures that be mm. by creating a problem, like especially in the 80s, which we talk about all the time. The whole show could be called the 1980s, um, <laughs> it seems like, because it was a freaky time. Reagan time was freaky. Reagan and, time, uh, yes. It's freaky shit, man. And, yes. you know, it's uh, it also helped kind of this whole stranger danger thing helped distract from the fact that the nuclear family had problems. And that yes. was the whole fundamentalist thing was that the nuclear family is perfect. And that's why gay people shouldn't have rights. 
rights. That's why women shouldn't have rights because it's going to destroy the children and the nuclear family. And so hopefully that was made some sort of sense. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that is how I see a moral panic. And the key is not because some people say me too is a moral panic. Uh, things like white privilege are moral panics. And I I don't believe that that's I disagree. true. I, I believe that those are reckonings. And so... Yes. And I think that that's a big thing. People will say, oh, people are suddenly freaking out. It must be a moral panic. But it's more that we're freaking out for something that is due to be mm. freaked out over versus something that is not a real issue. And there's no statistics to back it up. So, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. And, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up the case of the nuclear family in the 80s because so the 80s was kind of like this crazy. I love how in your most recent show, I actually just just listened to your part two on the satanic panic, Ooh, um, yeah. which was so great. And that's a subject that I've covered quite a bit on the show. I've I've talked to Gray Faction, to the, the gals from Gray Faction at the Satanic Temple, which focuses just on that. And I've talked to, you know, other scholars uh, who, who study it. Um, and so that's that's something that continues to fascinate me. And you brought up the nuclear family where the real threat for a lot of children came from within the nuclear family. It was often fathers and siblings abusing children. It was it, so it was the sacred it was it was this it was the sacred uh knot of the uh nuclear family that everyone was too terrified to look at. And somehow it was easier to believe that Satanists were molesting children in the most horrific rituals imaginable than to confront the possibility that the institution of the nuclear family was at the heart of the problem. Isn't that something? It's fascinating. <laughs> I, it is the most, I think it is the most fascinating thing in the world to me, yeah. is the Satanic Panic of the 80s. I'm glad I don't have to keep researching it right now. But like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty dark. Unreal. It's unreal. <clears throat> I, I just cannot believe it just happened in our lifetime. I and just... OK, so for people who don't know about this, uh, the satanic oh, yeah. panic. We yeah, <laughs> we should do that. The, the satanic panic was basically the, the belief that Satanists were operating underground across the United States and across the world in this organized effort to molest and sacrifice children. It was sparked by the book Michelle Remembers, and for for more of this, I've I've I did a show uh, with Joseph Laycock about this um, about Dungeons and Dragons and how that related to the moral panic, and then I did a show with uh, about satanic ritual abuse with Gray Faction of the Satanic Temple. Uh, so if you want a much more in-depth study of that, then go to those podcasts and check out uh, Chelsea's show, American Hysteria. So what led you down this weird road of being fascinated by these moral panics, by being fascinated by things like Stranger Danger and Satanic Panic? And I just heard on your most recent show that you're doing one on clowns. Yeah. <laughs> it's so fun. It's Which so is fun. so fun. I love the clown thing. I love it. Yeah, the episode also has a lot to do with Donald Trump. So very good. That. Yeah. Very good. So, okay, how did I get involved in this? Well, 
I think the most, I think I talk about a little bit in the Stranger Danger episode. I had my own little Stranger Danger freak out happen in my town where mm. basically these two kids um, were late getting home and they made up a story of being chased by, you know, a guy with a scar on his face. And the story was totally ridiculous and sensational, but it just totally freaked out my whole community. And I, you know, and we were all just telling stories. I was just sitting on my beanbag on my landline in the late 90s, just calling everybody <laughs> and being like, yeah, I saw him outside my house and he was carrying this bag of groceries and I he went down this way. You know, he's heading toward your house, Susan, you know, or whatever. And uh, it was just all because there was nothing else going on. I was just in like a, you know, kind of suburban-y yeah. whatever area. And um, it, it just, that just always was such a fascinating story to me. But I mean, the more, the truer answer is that I grew up with my dad who was a big conspiracy theorist and kind of like a 2012 end of the world yes. guy. And so I um, I am, the season finale, I'll give that away of this season is going to be called end of the world. So mm. I'll probably get a little bit into that. I'm not sure. I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how much I will. You know what I mean? It's like uh, that hard balance of uh, how much of my person personality and, and my story do I put into the podcast? And, I totally and get stuff that. like that. And so, yeah, but I definitely grew up with um, just a fantastical reality um, that was given to me by a dad that I visited on weekends, you know, mm. um, and it was really beautiful and really weird. And, you know, it was just a different kind of world. And it was not a Christian world, but it was colored in some ways by Christianity, but more like the Gnostic Christian stuff. My dad was like really mm. interesting, new age, radical, very leftist, just an interesting person for sure, but ha was also, you know, mental illness issues and things like that made him believe in some very big, big things like that volcanoes were going to erupt, you know, at the moment that 2012 struck, you know, or December 21st, yeah. 2012 and all, you know, all of the, all these things were going to explode and then we'd all click into like our perfect consciousness or you know whatever mm. um there's a variety of but you know fantastical stuff that i also at times never fully believed in but you know it 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 gets into just like the devil gets into kids like whatever you're raised with it gets into you and i think sort of watching all those things not come true which wasn't a surprise but it was something you know just watching sort of yeah these things not come to pass and 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 then what that what that did you know or didn't do to the people that I yes. once knew who believed in it um yes. you know I expected a great letdown but really it was just like the next day was just like well all right you know and I was like whoa <laughs> you guys like hold on like and you know just uh just this strange sort of yeah just trying to understand what it takes to believe in the fantastical stuff. And then also myself believing, running the gamut of beliefs. I mean, my God, I've believed mm. in some strange stuff. Um, yeah. And then me too. You know, I'm and, right and there yeah. with you. And I think that, you know, when you have like, you can approach these things with empathy and I just want to approach things with, yeah, with sort of more understanding because these things are so sensitive. When you tell someone the things that they are afraid of, it's wild. People are very attached to their fears. They don't yes. want to be told that their fears aren't real, which is really ironic to me because it seems like you would be like, oh, cool. Mm. I don't have to be scared yeah. anymore. But that's not what happens. Um, yeah. Maybe you know that. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess that that's, yeah, I guess that that's 
why I wanted to do this and how I kind of got to where I am pretty much. It's, you know, I think myself included and, you know, myself and a lot of my listeners are in this process of we're either we are entering adulthood or we've been doing the adult thing for a while now. And we are sorting through the religion or the beliefs or whatever weirdness, you know, whatever crazy, crazy religious background that we've been given from our childhood. And, you know, as as one of my uh, guests, religious writer David Dark says, we all have a crazy religious background. We all have one. Um, We all have some crazy ideology or belief that was passed on to us and that we have to wrestle with as adults. And so, you know, for example, I, I. I've just started talking some about this on the show, uh, and I recently did a show about demon possession with Joseph Laycock, and my father uh, was and is an exorcist. Wow. And I grew up with that. And I I grew up in in a world where satanic panic continued to be a thing Mm -hmm. well into the 2000s, well into the 2010s, you know, and there are these pockets where it's still very much alive and saw crazy shit that I now look back and contextualize as um, that wasn't a demon, that was someone role-playing that was someone in a hypnotic state respond but you know but it's still terrifying and it's still frightening and so i i grew up with a lot of the same kind of stuff you know growing up with conspiracy theories believing everything and kind of and and then you get old and you don't realize that it's you you start to realize that it's weird (laughs) you know yeah there's that it's like that there's that weird rite of passage when you're like wait this is supposed to be fringe but for me this is normal for me this yeah. is this was just growing up so what this, as I've thought about doing this show and, and as I've you know been listening to your show and just what keeps coming up again and again for me is that we seem to be living in a time that is right for moral panics yes and that's absolutely. one of the reason and and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show uh you know I've done a lot about Trump I've done a lot about the evangelical world I've I've done um I've done several shows on on uh just how destructive I think the evangelical world has been not all of it but a, a great deal of it has been and it seems like we are ripe for these moral panics and I'm wondering if you could kind of put your finger on some of the moral panics that we might be experiencing right now, but we might not reckon, recognize them as such. Hmm. Okay. Well, I think a lot of the show, like you said, is I feel like we are in our second 1980s right now. Um, and that yeah. is a lot because we just went through a, a long progressive period. And so whenever mm. our culture goes through a progressive period, the pendulum will inevitably swing the other direction and then usually vice versa. And so we're, but given who the like kind of commander in chief of this new, you know, this new uh, frontier is, it's definitely maybe even more ripe for moral panics just because facts are completely out the window. I mean, obviously, that's an understatement. But uh, I think we're ripe for moral panic for sure. And it has to do with, I mean, I think it also has to do with just fear in general, right? And Mm. obviously the left and the right are both really, really scared right now. And we're scared of a lot of strange phantoms too. And I think, you know, I think people have, when I've, when I've asked for, um, 
people, you know, to give me suggestions of other moral panics to cover, I have gotten the odd, like I mentioned before, like, oh, cover like the hysteria around white privilege or cultural appropriation or these things. And like, in a way, it's like, I understand why people are like, oh, that's a that's a hysteria or whatever, and, or that's a moral panic or whatever. But like I said, it's it's those things are are to me more just sudden explosive emotional reckonings and, where and rooted in fact i mean and rooted in fact white, absolutely white privilege exists in a way that and, i and mean in yes, a way that in, that abusive satanists don't <laughs> absolutely you know and so but people just think oh people are emotional so it's hysterical or whatever you know and right. so um but i think that the right sees these things as very threatening and another important thing that I should say about moral panics is, and I'll never remember who it was, but some super smart person before me said that moral panics are happen when there is a perceived law. And I think perceived is a very important word in the sentence, mm. a perceived loss of power by an in-group. Yes. Okay. So, right. So that's a very important part of moral panic. So right now there is a perceived loss of power by white men, you know, uh, straight white men who are mm. feeling now for the first time as a category, right? The rest of us have been categorized our whole lives, you know, as, as queer or, or, you know, you're black, you're gay, you're a woman, you're, you know, we have a category and so for the first time these people are, are now being called oh you're a straight white man or you're you know they have a category now and that's yes. that's weird they're no longer just i'm not just they're just not a person anymore they're not just a guy i'm just a regular guy like no now you have a category like the rest yes. and so that that's very scary and um, suddenly it's identity politics absolutely and that's what's so funny were created by them for yes us. yes like, that's the funny part right? <laughs> it's so yeah. funny to me how how the term identity politics only started you know being thrown over around when straight white men started to be recognized <laughs> as an identity. Yep. So real. You yes. know? It's just so real. And so I think that that because and, and because I guess too, there are losses of power by straight white men. You yes. know, there are because and I mean, a loss of power, right? There's some other great quote that's something like a loss of or no equality for like the privileged feels like oppression because they are no longer privileged. They're on an equal playing field. Yes. Which is more oppressive to them than having power over everyone. And so, you know, it's just we're just ripe for 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 panics that that exist to help reinforce that structure like we talk about in satanic panic. You know, we talked about uh that these daycare workers took the fall for us like hating the fact that women were starting to work, you know, yeah. and and hating the fact that these power dynamics were shifting and that they have been shifting since well, before the 60s but you know really really since since the sexual revolution of the 60s since birth control since abortion since yes. all these you know in the civil rights movement of course and all these different things that have only only freaked out you know the fundamentalists which we can largely say is is white you know um mm. And straight, of course. I mean, I guess that's debatable, but, uh, you know, for the most <laughs> part, um, I don't actually subscribe to that. Everybody who's homophobic is gay thing either. And I'll talk yeah. about that yeah. in uh, the Gay Agenda episode, which you guys should listen to. But, um, yeah, I think that it's it's that it's that instability of the status quo as they've always known it. And, you know, that we just saw it the other day with Trump talking about the border and saying he, he's throwing out some some kid moral panic stuff, saying that oh, there are so many illegal aliens in jail 
jail for molesting children, right? For sex mm. crimes against kids. He just said that the other day. And I was like, boom, there you go. Like yes. that, you, there you go. And it's always, I mean, we use children and we use women in moral panics a lot. And we'll talk about that in the drug one. We, you know, the history of using white women as a reason for regulating like the behaviors of men of color. It's just mm. like, we're going to get into that. And I, of course, try my best to get into these things without being too intimidating for a, a listener that, uh, you know, might not have categorical knowledge of identity politics yet, you know, right, trying right. To, to invite him in a little bit here. But yeah, so I guess that that's, I go all over the place. Hopefully you can follow me, but uh, yeah. Oh, totally. Um, I am 100% good, good. following you. Good. Yeah. So I just, I really do think it's that. It's it's the perceived loss of power. Women are graduating more at, you know, higher rate than men from college. Women are, you know, starting in many disciplines, surpassing the number of men working them. Um, mm. You know, like obviously we are ha- we're seeing like Black Lives Matter. We're seeing athletes standing up and saying like, fuck this, you know, we're not doing this anymore. And then we're seeing people not wanting to hear that. And we're seeing, here's a great moral panic, kneeling, kneeling during the anthem. I would say that that is a great example of a moral panic because it is a deflection. It is a complete and utter deflection from the fact that these black men are kneeling to say police violence happens disproportionately to men of color and women of color. And Mm. yet what, what does the, at least many on the right, what, what do they hear? we don't like the troops like those are that's a (laughs) you know like that's a straw man argument yes and that that is a moral panic to me and there are so many veterans in my life that that see through that moral panic and see Mm. through that divisive rhetoric and and feel used by that and i feel like they should feel used absolutely because that is very disrespectful to also black veterans like do we just like it just the white supremacy is so obvious to me when we say like these black men are kneeling and disrespecting the troops when you could be a troop and a black man who experiences police like absolutely brutality it just it's baffling to me well so you know you brought up uh the fact that women are graduating at in higher numbers than than men a higher percentage of women are completing school and one of the things that I, I think reveals this double standard here of maintaining the status quo, but the moment the status quo starts to get disrupted, then suddenly it's an issue. And granted, I do think that men are having an issue in school and we need to address that. Like none of this sure, is to say. I agree with that. None no, of this I, is thank, to thank say. Thank you for clarifying yes. that. No, that's important for sure. But, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the right-wing feminist Christina Hoff Summers. Where, Ooh, I don't think I am. Uh, she's fascinating. Um, I do not agree with her, but, okay. you know, she's, she's kind of in the intellectual dark web thing with people like Jordan Peterson and Sam Harrison. Yes, I'm aware. Yes, yes. yes the, the, and Joe Rogan and all that Dave those, guys. <laughs> those guys those guys <laughs> yeah. so so she runs with them and okay for sure you know so just to put and this may not be the most in-depth analysis of of this but they always uh, pe- people like christina hoff summers say oh there isn't actually a wage gap the for between men and women women just get paid less because of life choices that they make and so we shouldn't <laughs> actually do anything we shouldn't actually change change anything but then uh-huh. but then they turn they pivot and without even thinking you know as, as if these are two you know as if they've had a lobotomy and just are unable to see any comparison between the two they then turn to the guys and say oh no men aren't graduating this is a 
global crisis. We right. have to we have to intervene when they could just as easily say the exact same thing of boys. Well, you know, boys as they grow up, they just aren't making the right choices or they, you know, right. they're just making choices that and that's why there's this disparity in academia. That yes. is a, that is a case in point of the kind of thing that we're talking about of this inability to of this inability to see how do I want to put this? Of this inability to see anything other than normal as a threat, uh, as yeah. a, as anything other than a threat is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that feeds into moral panic. So, in your previous po- or in your uh, as of this recording, your latest show about satanic panic, you brought up a conspiracy theory, a moral panic that is going on right now that I had never heard <laughs> of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> Fraggle Rock, but it isn't. It does sound like Fraggle Rock. Yeah. Yes. It is Frazzle Drip. It is Frazzle Drip. What mm-hmm. the fuck is Frazzle Drip? Well, <laughs> Frazzle Drip is um it's a new I mean I'd say it is in the lineage of Pizzagate and spirit yes. cooking, which I'm sure you okay. guys Okay, remember. I know what yes. Maybe let's backtrack some. I know what okay, okay. Pizzagate is and all my listeners better know what Pizzagate is too. Okay. But I don't know what spirit cooking is. Oh spirit it's it's um from the same, you know, leaked emails, of course. Those that occult tablet of the leaked emails upon which everyone <laughs> reads all of the future like horror of the world world um yes but yes it was um hillary's leaked emails to be clear. yes of course yes, i'm yes. sorry of course yes hillary's leaked emails and part of those leaked emails was you know coded information about pizzagate another part was that john podesta's brother and john podesta was hillary clinton's um campaign advisor i think i can't remember um all these people and uh but he's the one who's known online as hashtag john molesta which i just think is funny and, that is uh, pretty he, funny that's it's imp- funny come on yeah you know, that's yeah <laughs> horrible but we have to find humor somewhere so he um it's just a perfect rhyme i'm a sucker for a perfect rhyme he got an email from his brother saying which which he didn't even respond to saying hey do you want to come and see this like this thing called spirit cooking by this artist named maria a last name that i don't know nor could i pronounce i think she's russian and so all that was is a really freaky weird like totally the kind of thing that would freak out religious people you know a performance art thing where i think she uses menstrual blood and paints freaky oh, stuff on the yes. wall. Okay. You know, now right? I'm yes, n- okay, yes, now yes, I'm yes, starting yes. to to put the dots together. Okay. But yes. you know, and so people obviously looked up her work, saw it, and were like, oh my God, this is and <laughs> there's the time when I might have been like, okay, that's weird, you know, <laughs> like that is weird. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, but more because I just really hated the those in power and thought that they were capable of bad things. But yeah. now I know that they're just capable of normal evil, not this type of evil but um Mm. so um but yeah so that's what spirit cooking was it was a total nothing you can go look it up it's weird and and it was and so was it the belief that the that that was a ritual that this artist with menstrual blood and paint that you know hillary clinton or whatever was invited to that it was actually a an occult or satanic ritual and it was evidence of pedophilia and satanism at the highest levels yes and if not pedophilia in this case then 
a, some satanic ritual. They probably connect it to pedophilia, but whatever. It's all sure. the same ball game. So mm. Frazzle Drip is just the latest manifestation of that, which I find so funny because it's like, oh my God, like Hillary Clinton is not even like doing anything. <laughs> she's like, just like, what is she doing now <laughs> that, that she's so, so much still a threat to these folks? Yeah. It's I also so have to say that even as someone who is not, uh, who does not buy into these conspiracy theories at all and who did vote for Hillary, I, I do agree that there's something viscerally horrifying about the idea of Hillary Clinton being a sexual deviant. And I don't know what it oh, is. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but there's it's something. Scary. This is, yes. It's hitting a nerve. It, it hits it is, a nerve. It is. But I mean, and maybe that's the same nerve that it hit because that so many of the daycare workers were women. And, you know, like, yes. sorry, in the McMartin in the 80s, especially yes. Virginia McMartin, who was in her 80s. And Peggy, those two were viscerally horrifying to think of, too. Like, yeah. there's something about a woman being a sexual predator that's scary in general because it's contrary yes. to what we Not, imagine. Okay. And, and just to clarify for my listeners, it isn't the idea of an older woman being sexual. The idea of oh, absolutely any not. person being sexual does not gross me out. I don't think there's any person or body type or what or age that grosses me out thinking about them being sexual in any way. That doesn't bother me. But it's the idea of Hillary Clinton being a, a sexual deviant predator. That, right. It's the specifically that, the predator part. Yeah, that yeah part like Hillary can go get hers whenever she wants. Like, yeah. well, you know, do it, girl. But yes. it's, it's the deviant part. It's the scary ass. Yeah. Like, and there's some part of you, I don't know what it is, but you're like, I don't know. It, it hits a nerve, like you said. And yes. so, so Frazzle Drip is, and what's interesting about Frazzle Drip, right, is it involves, it's the newest one. It's brand new, like last month or something. As of this recording, which is uh, mid-January. Yeah, as of this yeah. So yeah, I think it was going around in maybe November or December. Mm. And um, it basically says that there was a snuff film, which, by the way, is also an urban legend. Snuff films have never really existed. That's right. Yeah. Interesting, huh? I know. I just yeah. It's like one of those things where I was like, oh, yeah, snuff films are definitely happening all the time, you know, <laughs> in right. a horrifying world, but apparently not. So and maybe they do and they just don't get reported, of course. So it is an apparent snuff film that was apparently found on the dark web that shows apparently Hillary Clinton and uh, Huma Abedin, right? So mm. she was, uh, or maybe, yeah, she was Hillary's advisor. Aid. Aid. Yeah, Aid. Aid. that's the right yeah. word. Like for years and years. And they've, you know, there's been rumors forever of them being lesbians together or whatever, you know, who knows? Which would be but fine. Which would be fantastic. I'm gay as hell. Like I love yes, it. Yes, me too. I want like, <laughs> but I just mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like I'm like, oh, they're lesbians. It's great. It's like people saying like, oh, they're probably lesbians. Cause right. you know, like whatever. And and so, um, uh, but apparently they get together and a underage girl, they like, you know, have non-consensual sex with an underage girl who is then, they cut her face off and then Holy they wear fuck. her face. Yeah, Jesus they fillet Christ. her face off and they put it on their faces like a mask because it's a satanic ritual, I guess. Um, and and he, as a satanist, I must yes. say that actual satanism is very disappointing. By, yeah, it's, it's pretty boring. It's pretty satanism. boring. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I, I did a show with um, a, a patron's show with some with one of my uh, patrons, with one of my listeners. And he was like, yeah, you know, your show about with satanists, they're actually really boring. Like, you know, they were, <laughs> they're pretty dull. And I'm like, yeah, that's the way all religious groups are. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when you get down to it. Anyway, go on. 
No, it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's it, you know. And so, I mean, I think so. Explain yeah, the so explain the name to me. Why Frazzle Drip? I honestly, I don't know the answer to that. It question. sounds like a terrible hip hop name by a cloud rapper. <laughs> Um, I said in the show that it, I don't know if you watch Riverdale, but it sounds like a new drug. Yes, I did hear that. Yeah, I did um, hear that. And I thought that was been? hilarious. Jingle Jangle. And then it was, what's the one, the recent one is like fizzle, fizzle drip or something. Yeah. Or, uh, no, do you want to, no, I'm, I'm mixing them all together. Do you want to know <laughs> yeah, what your so. true, do you want to know what your true legacy is? What is that? Your show with a uh, guy to the unknown when they were guesting oh, yeah. on your show and you were talking about Riverdale, getting me to finally watch Riverdale. That is <gasps> that is your ultimate legacy. I did it. Did you, <laughs> you like? Did are it. you liking it? I am liking it. I it's just watched fun. the first episode, but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching it. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it's Riverdale. I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, it Frazzle Drip. That's it. And I think Frazzle Drip's interesting because I mean, as we know, like Anthony Weiner's Weiner Weiner's. I still can't. I can't. Him. I can't um, even. <laughs> I know, but you know, I mean, he was an actual person who broke the law, you know, with a yes. minor. And so, you know, there's not a huge leap. I mean, it is a leap because it's a horrible leap. Also the Catholic Church. I mean, the, the, right. the I mean, not to be anti-Catholic, but no. the Catholic Church is, has protected lots of predators and they're one of the most powerful institutions in the world. And so, you know, like you're saying, it it's still a leap, but it isn't as unintuitive of a leap as people might think unfortunately right and we just don't think about that we just like go like, ah it's great and i'm like yeah and it is ridiculous it's same ridiculous like how you know people blame hillary clinton for like what bill clinton and monica Lewinsky. you know it's like yes. there's this weird like when you get married you're like suddenly the same person or something it's weird but um you know so i guess that my guess is like that's partially where this whole thing comes in with huma abedin but also like <laughs> i don't know if making sense of this is is kind of pointless in, in some ways because it's like they're just gonna to make like we make up stories to justify what we want to say or do mm. and that's what i figure out you know a lot of this show is just like here's a bunch of stories we made up yeah <laughs> and how they've changed the course of history over and over again and continue to do so mm. you know it's just it's disturbing it is, is a it, disturbing show I it, it is a disturbing and it's so much fun i mean it's it's a it's lot of fun. fun but it's very <laughs> disturbing but you know i think I think basically what I'm hearing here, and this is something that I've been thinking about quite a bit, and I it's something that I just want like everyone, myself included, to sit down and think long and hard about, which is that our intuition is broken. There are ways in which our intuition can lead us right, but then there are also ways in which our intuition can lead us very wrong. And, you know, it makes intuitive sense to us that snuff films are actually a thing, but they aren't. Yeah. It makes intuitive sense to some people that Hillary Clinton is a predator, but she isn't. You know, it, it makes—so a lot of the problem, I think, is we tend to see the world or, or we think of ourselves as peering through these perfectly clear— windows into reality and that what we see what we think is a perfect representation of what the world is and that is our default position that is what we tend to think about ourselves as we go through our life and nothing can be further from the truth and we have to be enormously skeptical about what feels right to us or what our intuition is telling us is true and I think that this is all the more pertinent because of things like the internet 
internet where you know i uh the friction within the internet or, or the friction within our society that has given us the margin to kind of force us to stop and think about these things that's gone mm-hmm. the frick the friction in our society is all but gone because of the internet and so now it's like we can just go down this slip and slide of conspiracy theory and intuition and the next thing we know we're in a very very dark place and i think that you know a lot of what this show is about is the benefit of religion the benefits of mystical experience of altered states of consciousness all that kind of stuff but then there is also the dark side of not of taking all of those things taking our ideologies taking our intuitions our social milieus all of that stuff for granted and not examining it very deeply and that's kind of what i'm hearing here in this conversation yeah I mean, that was so well put. And I think, yeah, go ahead. Well, so so a question that I always want to ask people who do what you do, which is, you know, cover weird shit of the stuff that you have been covering or that you're planning on covering. What scares you the most? Like what freaks you out? (sighs) Let's see. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like go bigger than that and say what freaks me out the most is all of the ways in which like the puzzle of it all is coming together for me Mm. almost in the way it does for a conspiracy theorist (laughs) you know like I feel like because I've met I mentioned in our Illuminati episode how I am one of these people that has this idea we talk about pattern perception and how there certain people who maybe are prone to conspiracy theories are also people who are prone to seeing patterns all over so so this is really important can 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 you expound some more sure. on that like pattern high pattern sense i forget how it's put but like it's high called pattern... um, illusory pattern perception that's it so yeah folks that have illusory pattern perception like me and maybe like you and even, me we, by yes, far yeah we absolutely. are the people that see ghosts and see aliens in the stars and we see um, yep. bigfoot in the tree you know we we see and the big one i think is we see things as having meaning and connecting you know yes. our lives we have a path we see signs you know mm. and all that's really wonderful sometimes you know it's great no it makes my uh, life really enchanted yeah it it sure makes it enchanting and so but that you know illusory pattern perception is i i guess what i was trying what i'm trying to say is i'm almost becoming the opposite of a conspiracy theorist because i still have that i still have that i still see patterns and so well now i'm looking through a lens to see patterns in reality and in sociology and in psychology and how our minds mirror our society and how the patterns that we once did as we were hunter-gatherers you know, that's where pattern perception comes from is we need to recognize patterns because we have to understand facial patterns and what they mean. We have to understand what good food and safe food looks like. What are safe places to go? And these are all patterns that we learn yes. as we go. And so it's all that is. Basically, there's a great book called um, Culture of Fear. I don't know. That might not be it. God dang it. Well, there's a great book out there. Oh, The Science of Fear. And awesome. it's all about how, yeah, it's about how basically we're just, you know, cavemen playing plucked from that time and put in the middle of Times Square. And so much of what we think of as real is just these processes that are in that we don't 
we're not aware of happening. Mm. And then we get into the question of how much free will do we really have? And that's a mm. very interesting conversation oh, too. Oh, that's, you know? a, that's an infinite, oh, that's a freaky one. That I is know. an infinite rabbit hole right there. But um, <laughs> So I think it's those things. It's the big, like, I'm honestly having a hard time hanging out with people because I'm like, if you can't talk to me about this, I don't have anything else to talk about. You know, like, Girl, I, this is girl, all if you lived in Asheville, we would hang out <laughs> we would hang non-stop. Out every night. I know we would. <laughs> uh, I love Asheville too. I love Asheville. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in Asheville. I do. I lived in Charlottesville for a while in Virginia, so I would make oh. it out to Asheville. Wait, awesome. Asheville. Ash- Asheville is in North Carolina. Asheville is in North Carolina. Okay, I get it mixed up. I always get it mixed up with Ashland and Oregon, but no, I'm talking about Asheville, North Carolina. Love it. Um, yes, yes, yes. So Great anyway, place. yeah. So I think it's just I feel I feel like the isolation of studying this stuff is real, and um, it is, and you know, just not just not being able to have the same conversations I used to have because. I can, I, I don't want to talk about those things anymore. Or like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's So I think I was actually in therapy today trying to t- talk about this and now I'm trying to talk about it again. That's why people on a podcast. That's, hey, that's so, what we do um, for therapy. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, uh, but yeah, I think it's just seeing these strange patterns. I mean, satanic panic did freak me out for sure. Just the way that we can like, oh, what we can do when we do not check ourselves freaks me out. And yes, just, Yes. And just, you know, I don't know. And and I would like to also point out that like when I'm doing this stuff, it's like I'm a skeptic, but I'm also I like it's been kind of hard on my soul, you know, because mm. like I I don't it, it caused me to lose a lot of like the strands of faith that I did have because mm. all I do is investigate all these things that aren't true. So it's sort of like and that people believe with their whole heart and soul. So I'm like, well, if I believe in something, it could just as easily be false yes. as I watch all of the, you know so it, it really does like it scares me in that way it's like, hard versus, it's like who i'm scared hard. of this murderer at night i'm like no i'm scared of like this like these huge terrifying the, the existential deconstruction that we repeat yes yes yeah. and the narratives like this the stories we tell like i'm scared of those like they scare me and they keep me up at mm. night i wake up at 3 a.m and i'm like oh no <laughs> yeah I Why? get it. Like, ah, uh, yeah. So, well, you know, if so, well, you have my number now. So, if ever you need Thank a moral, you, if ever you need a moral panic bestie, <laughs> uh, just hit me up. But you know, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> talk, so, so I, I'm hearing several things here that I think are really important. One, you know, to you talking about how you still kind of have that high pattern sensitivity brain, but now you're kind of turning it on its head, and I think that's a good thing. You know, I am prone to altered states of consciousness. I always have been. I was raised speaking in tongues. I was raised having, you know, visions and and all kinds of stuff because I was raised in a very charismatic setting and I was very prone to that and I still am. Well, now I'm far more of a skeptic, but I realized, A, these things don't make me crazy. They just make me a different kind of human. They just make me a certain kind of human with a with a with high levels of a certain trait. And that's it. Doesn't make me crazy. Yeah. And then the other thing is it's it's fine. It makes me happy. It these experiences and this high pattern, you know, the 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 most important thing is to be mindful of these things and to use them in such a way that is redemptive. So, you know, now I'm a yoga teacher and I teach people mindfulness meditation to help get them through the, the through their work day. I um I'm now doing this stuff with the podcast like what you're doing of of using my pattern seeking mind to kind of create, you know, understand 
and the world around me. And and the key is to just be mindful about it. Yes. And I mean, God bless you. Whatever bless you, you know, Satan bless you, whatever. Because like, you know, mindfulness, like every day, I listen to guided meditations every single day of my life, you know, without that stuff. Like, and I believe, I truly believe through doing this work that we need some kind of folk magic because yes. like we, yes, we, we do. We need it. Like we, we can't exist without, we obviously just don't exist without it. We just don't. And so that's yes. why people are like, oh, well, why do you like astrology? And I'm like, it's not like I'm like, astrology is 100% fact. And if you don't believe in astrology, then you're not going to get civil rights. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, yeah, this is my folk magic. You know, this is my, Absolutely. you know, whatever, like Gnosticism. I'm really into Christic, not Christian Gnosticism. Mm. Like, that's my folk magic. I would love to hear more about that at yes, some point. Yes, we can. Another, I, would, I could talk about that forever. I would be know? fascinated like, to hear about that. Yeah. And so I think we all need something, you know, and, we do. and that's not a bad thing. But I think what's ironic about it is, is, is faith itself implies doubt because mm. you it, or else it wouldn't be faith. Right. Like, it yes. doesn't, I just I, that's what's so confusing to me with with some some branches of Christian thought is that, you know, like with, you know, people who believe the literalism of the Bible or whatever, it's just like it's just confusing to me because it's just not I don't know. I, I totally yeah. get that. Well, you know, it, it it's a form of weird scientific concreteness about something that just is not concrete at all. That is so mysterious yeah. and that is so mysterious and unknowable. And, you know, I, I recently actually just yesterday, I'm, I'm currently you are the last interview for the month and, and these shows will be going into uh, into late February. But just yesterday, I, I was talking to Benjamin Zeller, who is the leading expert on the Heaven's Gate cult. Nice. And big, big, uh, big, big into that. Oh, man. <laughs> into the Heaven's Gate cult. Yeah. Oh, well, if you want, if you if you want to uh, interview him, he, he might be interested in that. Um, yeah, I mean, if we, I, if I ever do a cult episode, but I have seen, I went to the Museum of Death and saw all of the yes. stuff in L.A. We've got all of the Kevin oh, stuff there. Oh, oh, that's Scientology. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the Museum, Museum of, of Death. Death. Do not, I know what Heaven's Gate is, Steve. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I know what Evans Gate is. No, I saw Marshall Applewhite's all. They have all of the okay. stuff there in this place that's really problematic called the Museum of Death. But I went there and, you okay. know, fight me, whatever, you know. So I, I'm not have, going like, to. You know, like a ton of I worked in true crime for a couple years before this. So, sure. like, I, you know, it's not great. But um, <laughs> I uh, so, I disagree. I think it's whatever, so great. You know, it is. It is. And it isn't. It's complicated. But um, <laughs> yeah. So but they have like all all I'm trying to say here is that they have heaven's gate stuff they have like all of his old vhs tapes they have the bunk beds they have like the oh, shrouds. they have the outfits they have the nikes that they oh, wore. it's bonkers. are you serious yeah. okay no i was yeah. i was confusing you know the museum with of death with the um i know you're talking about the scientology uh, the, uh Megas in, celebrity in, center well no the the industry of death exhibit where they about, oh. which is all about um it has like the exact same name as museum of death but it's about psychiatry anyway 
So, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, I so did not. I so did not mean to uh, to condescend to your cult <laughs> expertise. Fine. My apologies. But all right, accepted. Well, <laughs> what what Benjamin Zeller, you know, at the very end of the interview, I asked him. You know, I, I kind of have my foot in a lot of the skeptical world. You know, in, in a lot of the atheist skeptical world, and but I hear a lot of talk about how you know someday we'll get to the point at which we don't need religion anymore. And I'm mm-hmm. like, do you think we'll? Is do you think that's true and his answer his answer was great and i recommend everyone to go back and listen to it but basically said no that that this is such a crucial part of what it means to be human and basically like what you said that we need folk magic and uh and you know i think that it's very possible to to embrace our skeptical side to to brave to embrace the self-awareness and skepticism so that we can be aware of the ways in which our intuition of our the ways in which our intuition leads us astray we can embrace that but we can also embrace the enchantment we can also embrace the symbols and the mythologies and the stories that contextualize our lives and point us to our highest goals and the practices this you know the the folk magic practices for example i'm really big into chaos magic i'm a i'm a i'm a burgeoning chaos magician um love it and I love it. And I'm a yoga teacher and I practice that. And so I can we can embrace these two parts of ourselves. And I think that's really important. I don't think we have to let go of one to embrace the other. I think it's really important to have both. So, oh, God, it's so important. And I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah. yeah, I think it's just, it's not, it doesn't have to define us politically. It doesn't have to define us, you know, because every, every spirituality is, is per, every spirituality is personalized no matter yes. what anybody says. Like that's kind of the whole point, you know, is, is that it's a personalized thing. And so to, to use that then to try to influence the culture is, is kind of silly because you have now 6 billion, 7 billion different faith systems that are always going to be slightly different. And it's just, just, they're incompatible so hmm. as long just like just do your thing man you do, know, your just thing. do your thing <laughs> are you i know that that's like the satanist motto right do what thou wilt well that's that's uh that's the uh that's um oh that's alistair crowley or Alistair Crowley, yeah, right, that's right, right. Alistair which we Crowley. maybe, I maybe we're not like a big Crowley fan here. I don't know. I'm not. I I'm I not. like some of what Crowley did. He, I'm not convinced that he was a very good person. Though. No, I wouldn't. I, <laughs> is anyone convinced of that? <laughs> no, <laughs> but, even on the table for him. Yeah. No, that no, that's uh that's the uh, creed of Thelema. Do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law. Anyway, um, we not like that creed. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not terribly um well versed in in Satanism as it is. Oh well, but. you know if if ever. You know, maybe we can have a. Well, I need to listen to your show, and I'll learn. I'm sure. <laughs> You'll also learn a lot. So, interesting fact: my show is is predominantly geared towards progressive Christians and kind of the the post Christian slash progressive slash deconstructing Christian, and because that's what I'm coming out of. But so that's the vast majority of my. But audience. you do identify as a Satanist. I do identify as a Satanist. Okay. Yeah, and I identify as a Christian. You know, when you're a non-theist, the way I am, you can kind of fuck around with the symbolism. And I it's, love it. And it's and it, you know it's it's now um, it's not absolute. It doesn't correlate to absolute reality in a literal way. It, these are symbols that contextualize our lives, and so we can kind of mess around with them. Um, anyway, yeah, well said. Perfect that well is a said. whole yeah. different show. Okay, <laughs> well, this hour has. Four 
flown by. It has flown by. I can't believe it's already past eight. Wow. <laughs> it yep. is. And I need to get to bed because I need to get up right and early to teach yoga. Oh, but yes. uh, Chelsea Weber-Smith, thank you so much for joining me. This has been fabulous. Well, thank you. Oh, no, I really appreciate it, Stephen. Anytime. Awesome. This and was, Yeah, this, this was wonderful. This was a lot of fun. And for people who are interested, where can they find your show and where can they find your work? You can find my show pretty much on any of the places that you would get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, um, whatever it is on Google now on Android and get it there. Um, or you can go to skylarkmedia.com slash podcast slash American Hysteria, but you can just find it. I think you guys can do it. But yeah, yeah you search it on your app. You'll find it. Awesome. And yeah, follow me on social media too. Uh, American Hysteria podcast. I don't even know what it is, but you'll find it. You guys can do it on all the different social media apps. We got memes and all kinds of fun stuff. Sweet. So yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, anytime. Everyone, please do go check out American Hysteria. It is a fantastic show. It is written and edited and recorded and performed by Chelsea Weber-Smith. That is it for this show. As usual, thank you so much for listening. The music is by The Jelly Rocks from the album Bang and Whimper. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to music. Additional music is from The Jelly Rocks and Eleventy-Seven. Special thanks goes to my uh, assistant, Justin. Caleb Dozier Bryant for uh, helping me with all the art design for the show. If you like all the uh, graphics for the show that you see on social media every week, that is him. He is also the co-host of the House of Heretics on Patreon, the patrons-only show that you will get access to if you give a dollar or five dollars a month. This show is fueled by caffeine and sleep deprivation, and that takes money, so please go uh, give me some money so that I can keep bringing you interesting conversations every single week. If you're unable to, don't worry, I completely understand that, but there are other ways you can support this show. You can share it with your friends. You can give this show five stars on iTunes. Leave a nice little review if you want to and above all keep listening to it and enjoying it and as usual i will see you next week